We're going to be talking about work again today. Uh, if you have your iPhone, you can get it out because I want to show you something that we're doing now. It's pretty cool. If you could put that first slide up. We're in the Bible app now. Cool. So all you have to do is download the latest. How many of you have version? God, like quite a few of you. And you can download the latest of it. If you don't have the latest, it won't work. But if you have the latest, it'll work. And you can just, all you have to do is, if you'll show the next slide, tap more in the lower right corner of it. And then tap, once you tap more, it'll take you to a, another screen and it'll be events. And if you just hit events, you're there. And you can follow along. You can take notes. Everybody give me a hand clap. That took me all day yesterday to figure that out. But I'm excited about that because some of you are done with paper. Some of you still want paper. We'll have paper for you, outlines and all. But we also wanted to make it available on the, electronically for you too. So, and you can save your notes and then you can file them away. You can send them to Evernote. You can do all kinds of things with it. It's pretty cool. So anyhow, all right. We're going to continue on today. Uh, with, actually we're going to wrap up this series on work, work matters, and you know that work is so much more than just the work that you're doing, right? Well, two of you do, but work is a lot more than what you do just to do the work, all right? So we're going to get into that a little bit. I was reading this story this week, and um, I, I really enjoyed this. So for the past few years, this guy says his friend Chris uh, was working in a nursery farm on Long, Long Island. I don't know where there would be a nursery farm on Long Island, but I guess there is. And during the height of the growing season, they would bring in a lot of immigrants that were there just temporarily, temporary workers. Uh, and he was, one, he was one that was there permanently, but he would work with about 28 to 30 other workers um, so here's his story, and I don't want to mess it up, so I, I'm just going to tell you what he said in Chris's words. In my broken Spanish throughout the day, I'll do my best at least to show genuine interest in their lives, getting to know them, all the other workers, and asking them about their lives. Most of the guys send a lot of their earnings back to their families in Central America is where most of them were coming from or are coming from and asking about their lives, and, and when, I, when they would send their earnings back then, I would ask them about their wives and their children. And sometimes I'll try to share Christ's love in practical ways by giving them a ride home or picking them up for a fast food sandwich. But we always, each day, end by looking each other in the eye and say, I can't say the Spanish, but what it means in English is, thank God for another day. Thank God for another day. So one day, two of the men, Gonzalo and Daniel, wanted to show their appreciation for me. So they decided to splurge on a special gift. They pulled their resources and took me out for a special dinner. $7 value meal at the local Burger King. And by spending $3.50 apiece, Daniel and Gonzalo were giving me a sacrificial gift. The week before, they gave me this gift. A storm had 
cut their work hours and their income in half. But that didn't deter them from their generosity. Honestly, Chris says, throughout my life I've been treated to some special meals and I've received some expensive presents, but that was one gift that I'll treasure forever. During the meal at Burger King, Gonzalo and Daniel, Daniel treated me like a king. I never knew that fast food could taste so good, he said. So work is so much more than work. It's the people that we're working with. It's, it's the chance to grow spiritually. It's, there's all kinds of value that we find in work. Um, today I kind of want to tie up some loose ends, some of the things we're going to come back over, and some of the things I just didn't have enough to really dial down on. Um, I'd like to do that today, hopefully. Um, but let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for our time together. and I ask that you help us to understand your view of work and your purpose for our lives on a greater dimension. Help us to have the courage to take the steps that we need to take in order to pursue your call on our lives. I ask that you give us a listening ear, an open heart to receive your word so that it changes not only our lives, but the people that we get to influence. In Jesus' name, amen. So how God sees our work, we talked about, first of all, work was established and commanded before man ever fell, before sin ever entered into the world. So work was a good thing. It was a gift from God that God gave us. And, and Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I don't think I have this for the screen, but God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that He has prepared for us to do. So every one of us, God has a plan and a design for work. And work is defined as giving energy and thought for an objective. So God has a plan for each one of us. The second thing we found out is that work is one of the major ways that we image God in this earth. Well, how can God use me? Well, one of the places that He uses us is when we put thought and energy towards something, toward an objective, we get to be around people doing that. Whether we pr produce something, whether we fix something, whether we teach something, it doesn't really matter what our work is. But God puts us in those positions so that we can influence and so that we can image His will through our lives without ever even having to say anything. And sometimes we do get to say and share something as well. And number three, work, and this is one that I really didn't get to spend a lot of time on, and I'd like to share a couple things, a couple thoughts I think are practical and helpful to us. And most of this message today is just my story, our story, my family's story, uh, our church's story, and just practical ways that I think you can pull from uh, and receive some help. I hope, I hope it's helpful. But the third one is this. Work in and of itself has value. Work in and of itself has value. There was purpose for the Son of God for a period of time in His young adulthood to work as a carpenter. There was purpose in that. Well, what did that have to do with redemption? What did that have to do with the cross? What did... What does your work have to do with redemption and, the, and 
walking with God now. You may not see that connection. Could Jesus see that connection of his carpentry working towards the redemption of the entire world, those who would receive him? Sometimes we can't see it so well. Sometimes we have to walk by faith. Sometimes we just have to take what's given to us and make the best out of it, right? Anybody here today? I'm just. So, what has God given you? Instead of being negative about what God hasn't given you yet, think about what God has given you. It could be that you have acres of diamonds all around you. And I had, by the way, I have that book for anybody that wants it. It'll probably be here next week. So, got it ordered. It's just free. It's just one of the. I'm going to give you a list of books later that have really influenced my life, and I'm just going to share that list with you. But that's one of them. It's, on the, it's probably the top three. I read that thing. I was like, wow. That, that book just changed my life. I'm going to quit complaining. I'm going to quit being negative. I mean, in one day, I read that book. It's just a short book. I read that story. He founded Temple University by going around telling that story about Acres of Diamonds. It's a true story. And he founded... Temple University in the basement of his church. He's a pastor. And, and Temple University became what it is today. Acres of diamond. So often at work, that's the place that we gain confidence. You may not start with confidence, but that's the place you start to build confidence in what you have to offer people and how you can serve people. What you can produce for people. What you can create for people. What you can fix for people. Whether inside the soul, if you're a counselor, or if it's a, something that you drive, if you're an automobile mechanic or something like that. There's all kinds of things that you can do for other people, and God gives you gifts for that. God's always giving us gifts to serve other people. I want to give you a story of my son. I'm glad he's not here today, so I don't have to get permission anymore. Tori, I have to get permission because she's here. But with Drew, we got our first computer, a real computer, in 1996. You, anybody remember those days when they're, you know, they were big, big computers. And I remember the day that we got that, we set it up, and Drew just took to that computer like a fish on a June bug. You know, he just was... All, he's only five years old. And he just, I just, you know, in just a matter of a couple years, he was seven or eight and far, and now it's not saying much, but he could do a lot more than I could do on computers already. You know, he could do gaming, he could do all these kinds of things. I was never interested in gaming because he just slaughtered me. I was like, can you let dad win? No, you know, and so I, well, I'm not really encouraged to play with you then. Let's go play some basketball. <laughs> so he just got to where he was excellent at this. He was so good at it. And I got to thinking about that when he was a junior in high school or right before the summer before his junior year. I told him, I said, listen, I, I just wanted to channel that. I wanted, I wanted the purpose for it. And I said, Drew, you know, our church needs a website. And websites at that time, they're becoming the go-to place for 
reaching out for communication, and I want you to be able to learn how to do this. Do you know how to do a website? And he said, no. I said, great. Well, by the end of the summer, this is approaching the summer, I said, by the end of the summer, before football starts to really heat up, what I want you to do is come up with a, a website for us. I don't care how you learn it. I don't care what you, who you have to connect with to, to get the information, but I want you to teach yourself how to do it, and I want that website by the end of the summer. And you know what he did? You know, when I asked Drew to paint the house, good grief, I could not keep him on task. When I asked him to mow the lawn, good grief, I could not keep him on task. The lawn, I come home, and still not done. I never had to push any buttons when it came to doing that website. He was self-motivated. Something was in there, some kind of gift, some detail-oriented ways of thinking that I don't have. He had, and it was amazing to watch that develop. And so he just went after it, and by the end of summer, before football started up in August, he had a website for us, and it got us in the game. Now, it wasn't perfect, but it was good for us, and it fit. And you know what? I was proud of him. And I told him, I'm so proud of your work. This is good work. You know how he taught himself to do it? He went to YouTube, and he just taught himself by YouTube how to do this. It's amazing. So... Fast forward a couple years, and he goes to college and went to ORU in Tulsa, and he takes more classes on this. And he's becoming a graphic designer. He's working for the university. He says, Dad, now I, I just tell you this, I just love working with him. I just love talking about what the possibilities are and what we can do next. And it's fun to watch him just excel at something, something that he enjoys. And so... He starts coming to me while he's at school, and he says, Dad, I think we can revamp that website. I said, well, just put it down. Tell me what you can do, and, and, and we'll budget it, and we'll, we'll, get it, we'll get it happening pretty soon. And so while he was still in college, he revamped the website with all his newfound information and skills, and wow, it was good. I would put that website at the time... I would put that website up against anything out there. And it, it may not be the best, but it's, it's in the league. And I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing work. And he's like, I can't wait to learn more. I, I can't wait for what's next. Well, fast forward again. He's worked in the industry in graphic design now. He's moved from, he works for a company in Tulsa, and his family lives in St. Charles now. And... Uh, uh, he still is working for the same company in Tulsa, but he gets to live wherever he wants. That's cool. <laughs> and he talked to me a few months ago, and he said, Dad, <laughs> I just love it, Dad. I love to hear that word, you know. Dad, I know he's thinking. He said, I, I think I, think I, I got some things. You know, in between, now, he's working in this field for five years, and he's gone all over the place. He's gone to different planets and different galaxies learning new things about technology, and he's ready to put it to practical application in another revamp. So this next revamp is going to be outstanding. I just can't wait for it. It's something that we'll be using more and more, the technologies. But what I wanted to bring out was that a lot of times we don't see the value in our work 
because it's not exactly what we want to be doing. And one thing that made all this work for Drew is that that first him teaching himself on YouTube how to make that first website, he saw value in it. I saw value in it. Was it a great work that would work for us now? No, but it was working for us then. And I'm asking you to look at the acres of diamonds around you. What have you got that's of value? What can you see that God has given you that is valuable? What skill? What, what is something, the ways that you think? Do you think in details? Do you think panoramically? God has gifted you to think in certain ways so that you can serve people better. And in that serving, you'll find value. And God will use that. So work in and of itself has value. I want to, if you're taking notes, write this. This came to me. I, I felt like it really, sometimes, just my thinking, sometimes it's, I feel like it's beamed down from heaven. And this is one of those that I felt that was coming not from my own thinking. It's just a small phrase. And it's really simple. Small work leads to more work. Small work leads to more work. If I'll throw myself into the work that seems insignificant, one day I'll find myself doing significant work for others because no work to God is insignificant. Does that make sense? If I'll throw myself into things that don't seem significant, then pretty soon I'm going to be finding myself doing things and serving people in significant ways because no work to God is insignificant. He sees it all. So work matters. It's important. We want to make sure that we remove all the excuses that we have for not doing work and not doing the best work that we can do, for not working hard, for not throwing ourselves into it, and for not working smart. We want to take all these excuses for not working with all of our hearts in what God has given us. And if you can't find work, stop. Because that's a lie. The truth is you can't find work that you're willing to do. Because there's plenty of work. And I've done about all of it. And a lot of you have too. I can see you smiling back at me. I tell you about one job I had. I was in between jobs. And man, I, I just not wanted to sit still. I gotta be working. And I was went to the temporary agency and got a temporary certificate and they called me, you know, for these temporary jobs. Some of you might know this guy, I won't tell you his name, but he had a mansion outside town and so he calls me and says to come over. He had some work for me to do, and I'm like, great. You know, I it was a period of, of humility for me. I, I had to learn humility. Anybody ever had to learn that before? And uh, great, isn't that fun? <laughs> Went out to his house, and he just built a brand new house. It's a large mansion-type house, and he had this long drive all the way out to the county road. And he says, I need the rocks. He gave me a shovel. 
I need the rocks out of my drive. Are you kidding me? Oh, so what do you mean the rocks? Well, it's too bumpy. So I began to shovel rocks out of a driveway. I don't know if you've ever done that in the summer when the ground is compact, the rocks are in there pretty tight. And I dug about 20 of them and I looked down the road and it's about a half a mile drive. And I thought, this is impossible. I had trouble finding value in that work, but it is possible. And I told him afterwards, I said, sir, I can't do this. I can't do this. He said, really? Yeah, it's just unrealistic. I can't get all the, this is the Ozarks. There's lots of rocks here. I can't, this is, you ever see that movie Holes? Oh, that's what it felt like. Why am I digging? All right, we're getting off here. Number four, all work has been affected by the fall. Number five, Jesus works, Jesus' work destroyed Satan's work. All right, here's where I want to get to, how to follow Christ while you work. We started to get into that a little bit. The first one is just walk with the Lord. But I want to hit on that again because it's so important. Walk with the Lord. Every time you follow somebody, you're walking after them, right? That's one way of describing you're following them. So when you're following Jesus, when you're following Jesus Christ, you're walking after Him. You're trying to do the things that He does. You're trying to understand the things He understands. You're trying to think the way that He thinks. You're trying to mimic the way that He is until it becomes a part of you. Look what Paul writes, who followed Christ... In Galatians chapter 5, and just listen to these words. I don't know if I put these up there for you or not. Galatians chapter 5, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Everybody say, walk. 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 So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh craves what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, say the word led. Okay, so we got walking and we got led. And it goes on. You are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy, and rage, rivalries, divisions, factions, and envy drunkenness, carousing, and the like. There's a lot more. I warn you, as I did before, that those who practice such things or walk in those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then verse 25, since We live by the Spirit. Let us walk in step with the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. All that to say this, to keep in step with Jesus Christ, to follow Him at work, then we have to become like Him. And He just described what Jesus is like. He's loving, He's patient, He's kind, He's gentle. He speaks the truth in love. He's all of that. So if we'll stay in step with Him, we'll find that we become a kinder person at work. 
a more thoughtful person at work. We'll speak more truth in love at work. We'll be more patient with those that we work with. We'll see that those attributes of Jesus Christ become more and more part of us. You know, to, to walk in these ways, you've got to hang out with the person who's like that. I remember in ninth grade, there was a kid that moved into our community, and I started hanging out with him. I really didn't have a temper before then. Well, I had one. It was more controlled at that time. I guess my mom and dad were not people of temper. You know, they were just were not that way, but this kid was. Started hanging around this kid. Pretty soon, I began to demonstrate temper. I couldn't control my temper. Well, why? Because that kid was influencing me. You can't help it. You hang around with Jesus, you can't help but his characteristics to start to come in you and out of you. You say, well, I had trouble with patience. Hang around Jesus, he's patient. I'm not always real kind. Hang around Jesus, Jesus is very kind. I have trouble with confrontation. Jesus is real good at confrontation. He speaks the truth in love. So the more I hang around Jesus, the more these attributes become part of me, in my personality. That's the beauty of this. The second one is this, walk in love. To walk with Christ at work, I need to bring love to work. I've got to bring love to work. Well, how do I do that? Well, Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 5, 6. What matters is faith working and expressing itself through love. I'm going to say that again. What matters is faith working and expressing itself through love. Love God and love other people. Sounds simple, I know. But that's how Jesus summarized everything that we need to know and the way that we're designed to function best in this life is to walk in love. Walk in forgiveness. Practicing love at work is not being soft, it's not being weak. It means having the courage to do what is the right thing at the right time. Doing the hard thing with patience, with kindness and gentleness. So you can kind of see we're not talking about love, the emotion. And there is love that is an emotion. It's emotion-based. You have all kinds of words in the Greek for that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the love of God, which is, is the Greek word agape, which means it's not based on, on other people and what they do. It's based on who you are. And really, we're talking about God's love, the agape love. So we're talking about the love that's come to you that's not based on your actions or inaction. Are you glad? You know, it's, God's love for you is not based on you. God's love for you is based on Him. And God is love. And so what He's saying to us is that your love for another person, when you bring love to work, it's not based on that person. It's based on you now. When that love comes from God. It's unconditional. So to follow Christ at work, love is the starting point. Do you love the kids that you're teaching? Do you love your coworkers? Doesn't mean that you don't have hard conversations. 
but you speak the truth in love. You're always thinking of their greater benefit. Do you love your boss? Do you look to serve your boss? Do you have a critical attitude about your company, your school, the people that you work with? Or do you, when somebody's asking you to do something, you're, you're, your superior's asking you to do something, but do you have this attitude? Anything that you want, anytime, or nothing, whatever you want. That's the attitude that Jesus had before his father. He got his instructions from God. He says, I don't do anything on my own initiative. Jesus showed the perfect submission. And he's asking us to bring love to work in the same way. So loving people at work requires deliberate choices that drive our behaviors and that drive, drive the way that we treat other people. And you guys that are self-employed, you've created your own business, or whatever you do, self-employed, you can't escape this either because your customers are the one that you are serving. We all have to have people in our lives, right? Life would be great if it weren't for people, right? <laughs> it's easy to think that way, but God has a better way, and it's bringing love to people. That's why we work. That's what this is all about. This is just another opportunity to show submission, to show love, to show care, to show leadership, to show the fruit of the Spirit in what we're doing. Because we're showing Jesus to people. So well, I just don't get a lot of chances to share with people. They're watching you every day. Your, your life is speaking to people every day. You don't think you're evangelizing. You are evangelizing. You're a messenger from God. You're bringing good news every day. So depending on your personality, the idea of bringing God's love to work may be really natural for you. You just, you know, you're, you're kind of inclined to do this. You care for people, and so you, you go to work, and it's a natural thing for you to show love. Other of you, you may not have that natural ability. You may struggle with this. But when it comes right down to it, it's not a matter of personality. It's a mandate from God for us to be loving to the people that we work with. How do I do that? John 15, Jesus said this, and I don't have this passage for you either, but you can make note of it. John 15. John was considered the disciple of love, and there was a reason. He was really close to Jesus. In fact, a lot of scholars think that John was the closest to Jesus of all the 12 disciples and really of the three that were closest, and John was probably the closest of the closest. It's called the disciple of love because what do you think of when you think of Jesus? Most of us 
Now, if you're just starting your spiritual journey, you may not really, it's more of a duty to you, right? You know, when I, I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. I, I didn't have real good motivations when I came to Christ. I just didn't want to go to hell. I was like, man, I could die. I, there was a friend of mine that had died, and I'm like, man, I don't know where I'm going. And so I knew someday I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to follow Jesus, you know. I'm going to have to give my heart to Jesus. And then he came in. It's like, wow, he really loves me. I don't know why, but he really loves me. And now I think about, when I think about Jesus, when I think about the Father God, I think about love. Do you? I mean, isn't that the thing that changes? Before it's like, you know, well, I don't want to be a Christian because then I can't do anything I like. Who cares about that stuff now? Right? <laughs> you know the thing that you care about now once you walk with God? It's like, man, God, I love you. You love me. I just want to please you. It's, it's, a, it's scales coming off your eyes. It's a, it's a 180. It's a heart change. It's, it's a new birth. There's all kinds of terms for it. When love enters your heart, you think about God, you think about love. And that's what God wants you to bring to work. So when people think about you, they think about love. You know, he told me the hard thing because he knows it's for my own benefit. That's a confrontational love. You know, he served me when he could have been doing anything. He's at the top of the food chain and he served me. You know what that speaks? It speaks love. Look at Jesus. When he came, and Peter had all kinds of troubles with it. You know what happened? They're gathering in for the last meal that they're going to have. And you know how it was in the Middle East, still is. It's really dirty. You walk around in sandals, and your feet get dirty. And so they have these washing, wash basins at the, at the door, and you wash your feet. And Jesus picked up the towel in John chapter 13. Picked up the towel. And he starts washing his disciples' feet. He shouldn't have been doing that, right? Because he's on the top. And Peter had all kinds of problems. He said, no, you can't. Mm-mm. I should be washing your feet. And Jesus was trying to teach Peter something. He said, if you don't let me do this, you got no part in me. In other words, you can't follow me if you don't follow love. You can't be my person. You can't be my boy unless you learn to serve other people. doesn't mean that he's not going to heaven. Of course he's going to heaven. He's saying you can't really partake in what I'm all about until you learn how to serve people. And every one of us have opportunities to serve people every single day. What can God open your eyes to when you go back to school, when you go back to work, when you work on the Wherever you work, where can I serve somebody? You know, when you do that, all of a sudden your life opens up because your heart opens up. Jesus is so different, isn't he? Isn't Jesus different? We wouldn't be here if he wasn't so different. He doesn't run people over. He lifts people up. He led by serving. 
Amazing. Paul writes this, paraphrasing just a little bit of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if you lead in significant and impactful ways, but if you don't have love, if you even gave everything that you own to the poor without love, then you gain nothing. And he closes that chapter saying three things that will last forever. What are they? Let's say them together. Faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is shouted out. Love. It's never going to go away. Because that's what God is. Walk by faith is number three. Kind of hit some of this. For whatever your hand finds to do in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, this is the Old Testament. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your ability. And then Paul says the same thing in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it wholeheartedly as though you were doing it for the Lord and not merely for people. So a lot of times we have to do every job. Have you, I'm sure you figured this out. Every job, every employment, everything that you do has some unpleasant things about it, right? How do you handle that? Do it as under the Lord. All of a sudden it becomes purposeful. So back to the way that God sees our work. The assumption is that you do find something to do. You have to get your thinking right and get moving in that direction. And I want to challenge you. If you can't write down, listen to me closely. If you can't write down in two or three sentences where you want to be in five years or even a year, then you know what you're doing? You're just reacting to everything that happens in your life. You're a ship with no sail. I know this is hard. But I want to ask you, don't, don't, don't raise your hand or anything, but how many of us have written down and we can memorize that, we can say it every day, where we want to be in whatever area of your life. You know what you do when you write it down? Two or three sentences, this is what I want. This is where I want to be. Six months to a year. Three years, five years. You can go as far as you want. If you write it down, you know what you're doing? You're throwing up that sail. If you don't have that written down, you don't know what you're, where you're headed. Your sail is not up. And when the winds of adversity come, you're just going to be tossed to and fro all the way through. You have no aim. You'll get nowhere. You will get nowhere. I've been there. You don't get anywhere. But once you write it down, you know. You've prayed. You've thought. You've been on your knees. You find the plan of God on your knees. That's where you find it. Find the, sorry, yelling. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm excited about this because I know it, the change it brings us. When you're on your knees and you're praying, you're asking God, God, show me your vision. Show me where you want to go. And then you write that down. Scripture says to write it down so that you can run. You write it down. You can, if you can't say it in two or three sentences, you still haven't got it. And you can say it over and over again. Don't be critical about other people. 
Don't be jealous of other people's success. Get your own success. God wants to bless you. But he needs you to throw that sail up. And you do it with your words. You do it with your dreams. You do it with your vision. You write it down. And you write it down. In two or three sentences, you can say that every morning. I could tell you mine, but I don't want to lean you one way or the other. You can do that. This is where I want to be. And then you set that sail, and pretty soon, the same winds of adversity that would make you toss to and fro and, and, and mess your life up, and you're always reacting to all the negative things, all of a sudden, all those winds of adversity, all those things that come against you, they propel you to where you want to go. The hard things, the hard places in life, they propel you. They energize you. That's a better way to live. Another thing. Can you hang with me just a couple more minutes? Number four, walk with integrity. Walk with integrity. The writer of Proverbs, probably Solomon, Proverbs, the 11th Proverbs says, the integrity of the upright guide them. So you get in a lot of situations, you're not sure just what the right thing to do. Do the right thing. Sometimes that's the hard thing. Usually when you're walking in integrity, you're going to be asked, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be asked to do some things that, uh, by God that are hard things to do. You might have to take the low road. You might have to watch prosperity go away for a season so that God can bless you in a different way. And sometimes it's the hardest thing to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul wrote, and we are taking pains to do what is right. It takes pain. Sometimes to do the right thing is painful. This is what integrity is. Integrity is having the wisdom and courage to do what is right every time, even when nobody's looking. And it's really difficult, guys. I'm not going to say this is easy. This is some of the hardest things to do. But you're going to do the right thing no matter how hard it is on you. But integrity means wholeness. It means that you're the same person when nobody's looking as when everybody is looking. Daniel, you can read a great story. I'll just paraphrase it. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he had made this statue. It was uh, about 30 feet high. And I think it was like five feet wide. And it was a statue, and he wanted everybody to worship. And in the book of Daniel, there's three of his buddies. His three buddies, they, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, no, we're not, we're not going to do that, king. And a, 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 this is what they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, O king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If God whom we serve exists, then he is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace and from you, your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set up. And so he set up this statue and he said, all the kingdom is supposed to worship here. And if you don't, we're going to throw you in this fire. And apparently, 
he could look into the fire and he could see the victims perish. And he came, he brought these guys because some of them told on him and said, hey, you know what they did? They said, no, king, we can't do this. And they went and they worshiped God, put their face towards Jerusalem and worshiped God in defiance. They weren't belligerent, but they were in defiance. So the king brought them to his sit, and he's almost kind of, he's kind of joking with them. He's like, hey, guys, you, you know, he's, you guys, you're not doing what I ask you to do. And they said, hey, come on, just, just go out, and then I don't have to burn you. You know, just come on, cooperate a little bit. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, okay, what I just read to you. They said, no, we, we're not going to do that. We can't do that. They weren't belligerent. They weren't obstinate. They just said, no, we won't do that. Why? Because they're people of integrity. They're people of integrity. And so they went to worship. They grabbed them. It says in the scripture, it says in that account that the king's face just absolutely turned on them. I never noticed that until I was preparing for this. I, I, I never noticed that. It says that his countenance just went from <laughs> to get them, bind them, and I want my fiercest, mightiest soldiers escorting them to the fire. Make it seven times hotter than it is now. And they brought him down there. And to make st long story short, the people, the men, the soldiers, these mighty men that were carrying them, they fell down dead. They shoved them in the furnace, <clears throat> fell down dead. While they're in the furnace, these three men who are supposed to be burning to a crisp. The other men just died. They're inside the furnace. And Jesus appears to them. Jesus is there with them. I wonder what they were talking about. What do you talk about? Jesus, the fire's not even hurting us. What was that like? Nebuchadnezzar, he was up in his loft. He can see down into the furnace. He's like, one, two, three, four. He said, who's this fourth guy in there? He looks like the son of the gods. Who is this guy? So he went down to the furnace. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you come out. He's talking to the guys that should be burned, should be melted by now. So they walk out. You can't even smell fire on them. Got no, no, no damage. Not even a hair was singed. Miracle! Right! God does miracles, doesn't He? Brings them out. And Nebuchadnezzar, he does a 90. Doesn't do a 180, he does a 90. He's still hanging on to God, his gods, little g. But he then says no more persecution against the Jewish God. No more persecution against the Jews. It took him going crazy for seven years, and then he did a 180. And that's all in the historical account. I'm not talking about scripture. It's in a historical account, Babylonian accounts. Amazing. So what does this have to do with us? Sometimes you're going to have to face the furnace. 
What's that for you? I don't know. I, I know I've faced the furnace several times. I don't like it. It's painful. It hurts. You may be there now. You may be facing the furnace for doing the right thing. I just want to encourage you today. Keep doing the right thing. God will bring you out of the fire. Amen? God's so good. I never get as far as I want to get. Real quickly, the last one is walk in your calling. Another word for this is alignment. Alignment. When we pursue alignment, what we're doing, we're trying to find the gifts that God has given us, the abilities that He's given us, the experiences that He's given us, and align it with His plan for us. You say, that's just not happening right now. I want to give you one tip. I Hopefully it'll be helpful to you. On what you can do when you find that your life isn't really aligned with what you want to be doing. It's something that I've had to live. Actually, Diane and I both have had to live this. Uh, when we were first starting out, we weren't really doing what we felt God was calling us to do. We were trying to get there, but we didn't know quite how. So we just did what we could do. And I was working two jobs, and she was working two jobs. And then I went back to school and worked another job. Did all that while I was passing a church, driving a school bus, just trying to make, I had four kids, little kids at, at the home. Um, Finished two degrees in theology and then one MBA. Did all that all at the same time. I talked to you about stealing from one in order to invest in another. And that's what you have to do. You have to steal time from something in order to invest in your future. And my question to you right now is where you want to be once you get that three-sentence statement what are you going to steal from in order to invest in your future? What are you going to do to invest in your future? A lot of that recreational time that we like, uh, you probably won't get to binge as much on Netflix when you invest in your future. I say, Dave, I just I need that. Mm, you'd be surprised at what you can do. Diane went to back to school, earned her master's, and you know what? God uses, sees that. If you'll sow into your future now, think about this. This is the last thing I'm going to share. Think about this. 24 hours a day. Where do you want to be in your future? Okay, so in that 24 hours that you have every day, and I'm just talking about work days, not even talking about weekends right now, or your two days, whatever your schedule is, um, out of that 24 hours, you, okay, eight, six to eight of them going to be thrown to sleep, right? Hopefully, if you get to sleep a little bit. Um, and then you've got eight probably that you work every day. So that leaves you eight more, if my math is correct. <laughs> so you've got about eight to work with there for your future. Well, some of that's going to, if you work a second job, maybe you're trying to pay down debt and you're trying to get out of debt. So you work a second job. I work, I'm I've been bivocational this whole time. It was a driving school bus for 18 years. And then when I finished my degrees, then I became an adjunct professor for, for I've done that for 14 years now. 
And I've always been bivocational. I know what this is like. There's things I want to do in the future that I'm having to rob from my entertainment desires in order to invest in my future now or that I want uh, invest for my future now. So where can you grab from in that eight hours that you have left? Maybe you take even four of that out for another job every day. You still got four hours. You can build a whole new career with four hours a day. And you put, the, put it together with that on the weekend, you're going to have a whole different life in four or five years. Whole different life. So don't ever say it's not possible. It's possible. We've been living it in front of you all this time. And we'll continue to do that. Hopefully it's an inspiration. Hopefully it's like, oh, he can do that. I can't do I never thought about that. Who's doing something that you want to be doing that you can learn from? Maybe you're an apprentice. You can learn tons of stuff from other people just by asking. Most of what I've learned, I can't say most, but a lot of the things that I've learned in the last four or five years, I've learned just by calling people and asking them, hey, can I get with you? i got some questions to ask you. There's people that are doing things a lot better than I'm doing them right now. I just want to learn from them. I'm just hungry to learn. Are you hungry to learn? I mean, even if it's just Scripture, I'm just hungry to learn about God. And once you have that going, I better quit. Go ahead and stand. I can just, I'm so excited about this. God, thank you for your help with us. Thank you that you're there to be with us. And we're never alone. You put dreams and desires in our hearts for a reason. You've given us gifts for a reason. God, show us how we can can use those for your honor. Bring us, Holy Spirit, into alignment with your plan, your purposes, and your will. Help us to think ahead. The wise man thinks ahead. The wise woman thinks ahead, Proverbs says. And God, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. By his ability, he knows everything. Holy Spirit, would you help us see where we need to go and what we can do today so that we'll go in that direction and bend us the way that we need to be bent. Mold us the way that we need to be molded. Renew our minds and help us to think the way that you think and the way that you want us to think. And God, help us to take this day and see it as important. And the work that we have in front of us, help us to see that it is significant. In Jesus' name. I want to ask you right now, is there anybody that I'm going through what you're just talking about. I'm going through this thing with work, and I'm just not seeing it connect with what God's will is. I just feel that pray for you if that's you. Would you slip your hand up and just tell me that I'm praying for you right now? Okay. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Let's pray right now together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you bring better alignment for these people. And we agree with them right now that your plan and your purposes will begin to unfold, that you will take the frustrations, the pains of work, and you'll begin to show them where they can apply your word, where they can believe, where they can take steps as you give them the steps to take. The steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. I ask that you open our eyes to see what your steps are. And give us the courage to take those steps. 
Father, I just pray that you bring hope, faith, and love into their hearts that will propel them into their future. Solutions to challenges. Wisdom for every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.